Welcome to another episode of the Golf.com podcast. I'm your host, Sean Zock. Today I'm joined in studio by my colleague Coleman McDowell and on the phone with a good friend of mine, Graylin Loomis. He works at Lynx Magazine. Now there's a few things we all have in common. Uh, the most important one recently is that we all visited Streamsong Resort 10 days ago down in Florida. And today we're going to talk about it. We're going to explain to you exactly what you get when you go down to Streamsong. That will no doubt include things you love, but also maybe things you don't enjoy. Right now, the resort can claim two golf courses. A third is on the way. Both are ranked in the top 15 as far as courses you can play. They are two of the best public courses in America, ranked up there right along all the courses in Kohler, the courses in Bandon, Chambers Bay, Pinehurst, Pebble Beach, you name it. All that means is that those two courses, they are down there in Florida waiting for you. Now to talk about Stream Song, I'm going to start with Graylin. Graylin, you've worked at Lynx Magazine for more than a year now. You've run your own golf travel website for even longer than that. You've played a bunch of the top 100 courses in the world. You're coming up on the halfway mark on that track. Is it fair to call you a poor man's Matt Janella? <laughs> yes. Yeah, that, that's actually a great description. Matt Janella, uh, without the, the Golf Channel sending me everywhere, but Lynx does a good job of that. Um, but, yes, I haven't played quite as many courses as Matt. Um, I don't quite have the following of Matt, but uh, I, I definitely, yeah, I, I could see that. You could say that for sure. I think you'll get there one day. Uh, I want to start you off with, which is probably a really general, but I think it's a kind of difficult question. Uh, just right off the bat, see if you can hit a home run. Streamsong Resort, it's, it's all-encompassing, and you get a bunch of things when you get there. As a resort that is all-inclusive, is it in the top five as far as golf resorts that you've visited? Where does it rank? I, I would place it in my top five. It, you know, I thought about that a lot, especially driving back. I had driven down from South Carolina, so I had seven or so hours in the car to think about that question um, on my way back from the resort. But I think you guys will both attest it's different. You know, it's got a very different feel than other golf resorts. Um, whether it's the architecture or the hotel, um, I mean, the golf courses are are world class, obviously, but it's got a different feel. You don't, if you just showed up and there weren't golf courses there, you wouldn't think, oh, that's a golf clubhouse. Um, and because of that, it's got a different feel. But in terms of what they're offering and the level of service um, and the amenities beyond golf, I think it's definitely up there. I mean, it's got to be in the conversation uh, with, you know, the band and dunes of the world. I've never been to Pebble Beach, um, but I, I would think it'd be up, up in that category. I mean, it, you guys have both been to Cabot, and I think you've both been to Band. And they, would you agree with me on that? Coleman, that's, that's a question for you. Uh, it's one of those that kind of depends on what you're looking for, I think, that if you're looking for the small town feel and the historic golf, then I think you're going to Pinehurst. If you're going to a place that you want to play 36 every day, you walk off the golf course, you go to sleep, you wake up and do it again, you go to Bandon. And if you want kind of the really high quality that you've seen on TV with the major championships, then you're going to Kohler and Whistling. And so I think Streamsong kind of picks a little bit from each of those maybe and kind of blends it all into one it is remote and but it's not as like far flung as bandon is it's uh, an hour and a half from orlando and tampa it does have the excellent golf it doesn't have the history that the piners number two has but the the golf is on par and so it kind of blends it all together into 
a total package, I would say. Yeah, and, and adding to that package is what they're trying to do right now with the black horse. They got Gil Hans to design it. We got to we got to go down there, and that's one of the, those those many things we have in common is that we actually were on every tee in every fairway on every green of this new black course. Graylin, I want your first impressions of what we saw out there in that chilly January morning. Hey, I really I, I was blown away. Um, you know, it had been talked literally about a blown lot away because the winds were like thirty miles an hour that morning. Well, yeah, well, well, we were literally blown away, and then stupidly I wore shorts. So <laughs> I, maybe it was the hypothermia, um, but <laughs> I, I did think the, the course looked great. So noted, um, you and Joe I mean, Passoff, got... our course editor, were the only two brave souls wearing shorts. <laughs> I, it was it bravery or, or stupidity. <laughs> I, I, won't, I, I won't speak for Joe, but I think it was stupidity on my part. Um, so, yeah, you know, the course – people will see is broken down into um, the midlands, the ridge, and then the glove. And but we can get more into that. But I was particularly blown away by the ridge section of the course. And even though Stream Song is not by the sea, it kind of reminded me of some of the seaside courses where um, a section of the course is on the water. And it's so impressive when you're down by the water that everything else seems not like a letdown by any means, but just slightly less impressive and I I was so blown away by the ridge and particularly holes three four five six um, right through there that once I got back to the glove and you're not in these huge open expansive views it seemed less impressive but once you actually begin looking at the architecture I don't think the architecture is any less impressive it's just that the the views aren't necessarily as awe-inspiring so I've given that a lot of thought but it you know, the short answer is I, I was really, really impressed. And I think that it adds, a, most importantly, a different option. Um, it didn't feel like, um, you know, red 2.0 or blue 2.0. It, it felt like its own thing, and, and they've done a good job with that. Yeah, I think that's a good point about not, not really mimicking what Corin Crenshaw have done uh, uh, and not mimicking what Tom Doak had done at the blue course. But those holes in the ridge, my goodness, they look so mm. difficult. They, like a person like myself, very mid handicap, not going to slow anyone down, but not going to have the easiest time. This course would beat me up. I, that's my opinion on it. <laughs> yes, it, definitely. It, the the one thing I like, and as as the owner kept pointing out, they've given so many teeing options. I really hope people don't go out there and you know step it back to like seven thousand yards. They said they could stretch it out to seventy five hundred yards. Now, I, I don't know anybody. I mean, Dustin Johnson would struggle on that course at 7,500 yards. Um, but it, it's it's every bit of golf course you want. And I have an inkling, and I mean, they, they kind of hinted at this, that in the future if they do or when they do hold some prestigious amateur events or, you know, USGA events, I, I'm sure that's going to happen on the black course, or at least I, I think it would. I, I think that the addition of the black is – I mean, Streamsong is already a destination, but in our latest rankings, the red is number 10 and the blue is number 14. And being able to have a black course in there that from all accounts is going to be very highly ranked once it is open for play later this year to have those three by those three big names that it that's the, the first resort in the U.S. that's going to have that. And I mean, Bandon has... 2, 8, 11, and 12, and that, I mean, there's really no other comparison that's going to have 
something of the of the caliber they're going to have with the red, blue, and the black. And so it's one of those things they're taking a good thing and they're making it even better with the black. And as you said, it's going to be a completely different experience because the blue, I think, is a lot of fun. Like the greens are crazy. You may not score well, but you're going to walk off thinking that was different than any golf I've played before. The red is a shot maker's course. I think you have to be driving the ball really, really well. And the black is just this like brawny beast that has kind of taken the best of both worlds and has the 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 ridge that has this blown out sand everywhere and all of the bunkers, but then it also has these kind of intimate par three and par fours that are a little more tree lined that it's it's just a phenomenal combination, I think. And just to increase the scale of the place and you go down and it kind of forces you to stay that extra night because you don't mm-hmm. want to leave the property don't leave with one on the table and so um, i i think it's going to be huge for them in the future for sure yeah we'll get the, we'll get to the blue course we'll get to the red course one last thing about the black course though is that right now we were out there it's probably like 85 percent. i don't know if you guys would agree maybe like 85 percent completed right now that's close yeah i think they're targeting a late september 2017 um, grand opening um, which for yeah. anyone, anyone up north, that feels really late in the year, but down there you can play year-round. So put that in the calendar, late September 2017, the Black Horse grand opening. But one of the, the interesting facets about it uh, is is that they're, they're thinking about hosting events down at this course. Maybe USGA events will come down here, U.S. Amateur, U.S. Women's Amateur, the, the Publinks, that kind of stuff. They work their way into Streamsong and, and gain – they gain popularity from hosting big-time events, and I think the Black Horse will be their crown jewel for that. Agreed. And one other thing that um, I wanted to mention, but you know, I forgot when I was talking, we we ought to talk about the roundabout right there. Oh, it's, no, no, no. Uh, We're, hold on. We'll get to that later. I'm sorry. Okay. I'm going to okay, stop good. you there. I'm, I'm excited. I'm looking through my pictures right now, and I'm, I'm <laughs> dreaming of getting back down there. Oh, yeah. We're going to get to the roundabout later. Uh, that is a, a really cool facet that they've built into the the existing land that surrounds the black horse but we can jump from there to the blue course which is my favorite course out at stream song we all played it just about 10 or 11 days ago it's a little more open off the tee uh, which is great for me because i spray it from time to time and it's challenging and the first four holes there's these insane elevation changes you walk up on the first hole you walk up probably like 70 yards up a steep incline and you tee off and it's not a very far par four, but you go down to the hole. And then on the second hole, you drive down and you go up to the green. And then on the third hole, you drive outward and go way up to the green. And in the fourth hole, which I'll get Graylin to talk about in a little bit, is this really, really high elevation change on a par four. So basically they're taking you up and down these hills and up and down these hills, both off the tee and to and from the green. And that's just the first four holes. And those are four of the most fun holes out there. They're, they're a great challenge to kind of set up your round, but they're all gettable. And Graylin, you'll, you'll talk about the fourth hole, but in general, the blue, don't you feel like that was a, a pretty fun open track off the tee? Yeah, it, very much. And when I think back uh, about my favorite holes of the course, usually when I'm thinking of favorite holes, I'm thinking of really great par threes, you know, really good one-shotters. I honestly was thinking about tee shots and a lot of those tee shots on the blue course are great. Um, you know, I, have been kind of trained in the past. You, you think Florida golf and you think flat and boring and 
I mean, the blue course just throws that right in your face on the first tee. You know, that, that goes out the window. Um, but the angles off the tee, a lot of holes, it looks like you don't have much of a landing area, and then you get up there and realize, you know, you've got a 60-yard wide fairway. Um, but, it, you know, that was kind of half the fun, playing it for the first time with you guys. So you had seen it before, and you'd give me a line and kind of say, yep, aim out there, and, and I just trusted you. you. You need your caddy to give you those lines. Otherwise, you think you're hitting out to this thin little strip of land. Yeah. And, you know, Doak's just done a great job of, of using those contours to force the golfer to really, really think about their lines off the tee and their angles into the greens. I, I don't know if I agree that that – is the intriguing part because to me with the fairway so wide like I was spraying it off the tee and missed maybe one or two fairways that I think that when you have such a massive landing zone that he does kind of make you think a little bit like especially on the first tee where you could bomb driver but he's got this massive dune in front of the green and so you're not going to be able to see the pen on your approach and so on club selection it is a little interesting but when I think of the blue I think about the greens first that the greens are just insane that a lot of them you have yeah. you have <laughs> almost no idea how you're going to hold like this one section of the green you could have a wedge in your hand you could have uh you could be 20 yards off the green and not be able to get it you know 30 feet and so to me I think that's the most drastic difference is that when the greens are the first time I played there a couple of years ago, the greens were rolling really, really fast, and they were they were they were borderline. And a few times you just shake your head because you're just automatically going to three putt. And I think they the last time we were there, the winds were were kind of up, and the greens were probably I don't like a ten or something. They weren't kind of they weren't insane, but I think the greens there are just it's my most memorable thing because. Every, they're greens that you will not see anywhere else. They're greens that the Doak seem to really take advantage of the of the natural terrain there, and I feel like that's the most me- me- memorable thing. All right, well, I'm gonna blue. I'm gonna take that pass, and I'm gonna talk about my favorite hole out there, which the the tough the toughness the difficulty of that hole is based off the green. Uh, for me, my favorite hole on the blue course is the fifth hole, and it's the tiniest hole out there. If you play it from, I would say the men's tees, it's probably what would you say, Coleman, 115-yard shot, maybe yeah. 120, very tiny hole, short par three. You've got essentially this green that is split into two sections. You've got a ridge that almost runs down the center of it. Uh, if you're on the, the left side of the ridge, which is where they generally put the pins, that's your landing zone, and it's pretty thin. It's maybe maybe 8 to 10 yards wide. And then the right side completely drops off and will run into collection areas or one, run into bunkers. So you want to you want to miss left, but you can only miss so far left because behind the green is this gigantic ridge. There's a bunker that might catch you, but if you hit a club too long, you're not going to find your golf ball. This hole is so maddening because it, all it takes is a gap wedge, a tough little gap wedge. If it's windy, the wind kind of comes howling over the ridge. It's going to push your ball into that collection zone. It's a huge test, and it's not just aiming at the green because the green is really split into two spots. That's my favorite hole out there. It comes after Graylin's favorite hole. Graylin, tell me about the fourth hole. Well, yeah, I, I was when I was thinking about my favorite hole, I was in between the fourth and the 17th, both of which I, I love. But you know, I keep coming back to the fourth. It's a little bit of a dogleg left, but 
it's it's a, it really depends on the uh, the tee what the tee box you choose can set you up with different angles. But you hit your ball out into this wide fairway. There's a big waste area on the left, and then you're left with one of my favorite approach shots on the course, which is up to a big elevated green, um, and it's this dramatic kind of hillside just short of the green. I, I probably well no Sean I've got to give you a hard time Sean ended <laughs> up in a bunker short right one day and I, I will admit had an excellent uh, excellent out from that bunker but if you're in one of those bunkers at the foot of the hillside you're left with this unbelievably difficult 40 yard pitch up a hill blind and all you see is this you know 30 foot tall wall of sand in front of you <laughs> and once you get up to the green it's kind of a nice uh, semi bowl so it's generous but that approach shot. I could just sit in that fairway with a bucket of balls and hit a pro shot to that green all day. The front right pin's the easiest. I'm glad that the two days I played it, it was on the right side of the green. That left pin would just be brutal. I mean, really, really brutal. But um, that uh, that stretch of golf through there, three, four, five, six, seven, and I, it's a good sign that I'm just rambling off like half the front yeah. nine. Um, but it, it – uh, Hey, I just love that through there. Now, one of those holes that you that you mentioned, number six, follows your favorite hole, follows my favorite hole. Coleman, six is your favorite. Tell me why. Yeah, so six, I think, is is the the characteristic of it is it's a drivable par four, which I think is the the best hole in golf. That if you're building a new course, it doesn't have a drivable par four, you're losing out because that it. People love to drive the green. People love those mm-hmm. chants at eagles and birdies. Mike and, Davis, listen up, Mike Davis. Yeah, if you're listening. Uh, <laughs> so six is awesome because you're standing on the tee and you're driving back into the dune that you teed off at on one. So you're kind of coming full circle. And you can kind of see the edge of a flag. It kind of bends back kind of subtly to the right a little bit. And there's just a bunker right in the middle of your landing zone. And if you go left of the bunker and kind of cut it off it, then there's a little speed slot that funnels you directly down into the green. If you try and split the bunkers that are right next to the green and the one in the middle, then you could get caught with this really awkward 50-yard pitch and you go from birdie to double bogey real fast. Real quick. If you can kind of zoom through those and kind of work the ball in, then you can drive the green. And then when you get there, you you see that the green is huge. The green is... I I mean, from start to back, probably has I I don't even know how many pinnable locations, like twelve different yeah. little shelves with one ridge running directly through the middle. And if you're short, you're probably in that twenty yard range. You might have a little eight iron bump and run or a pitch, and you get to be creative. You get to you, you can, can putt, putt it. it. Yeah. You can do a bump and run. You can use the ridge. And kind of slingshot a ball back around. I think you tried doing that, didn't you? I tried that. Did not work. But <laughs> it's a, it's at least different. And it makes you think. And even if you are are not a long hitter, you still are going to have most likely a wedge into that green. And you, be, you get to have fun with that approach shot. And to me, being able to hit the ball and kind of catch the speed slot and you kind of crest the hill... And you see balls that are down there. You're like, oh, that could be mine. Oh, this could be mine up here on the left, you know, and you don't really know. And so I think that think thinking back, I mean, it's it's really tough to single out one hole. But that, I think, is the most fun, that you yeah. get to bomb a drive and go up there and just kind of see where it, see where it ended up. Yeah, definitely. Now, that that is followed by another par three, a great hole. Eventually, 
it's not all just great holes on the front nine. There's some great holes on the back. Before we go to the red course, Graylin, the 17th is this crazy par five. Tell me about why you think the 17th is probably the best on the back nine. Well, it, you know, it reminded me of um, kind of the blown out holes that you could see on the West Coast, like uh, you know, pictures you see at Cypress Point. Um, it, it just, so you're, it's par five. You're looking straight down and the thing that catches your eye is right about a hundred yards short of this green, right where you know you're going to want to hit a layup is a series of four or five gigantic cross bunkers. So into the wind, you hit a drive as hard as you can and you've got to make a choice. Am I going to lay up short of those bunkers and have a blind approach in or am I going to try and get it up over those bunkers, work back to the right and have a visible approach to a big green and I, I love holes, kind of like Coleman said on um, on six there, where that bunker in the middle of the fairway makes you choose. You've got to go right or left of it. You can't go right at it. These cross bunkers force you to really think about your layup. And you, you can find so many par fives out there where you know, the, the layup is just kind of a dead shot. Your choice is, do I just bump a seven iron down there to the 100-yard marker, or do I go for it? And that's your shot. This, you're forced to think, at every turn do, do you go for it if it's downwind do you lay up and if so do you lay up over the bunkers do you lay up short of those bunkers and it, it's just um you know any hole where you've got to think off the tee think about your layup or your or going for it and once you get up to the green it, it doesn't you know the the energy of the hole doesn't stop there because you've got this gigantic bowl of a green with different tiers um if when i think back it's four and 17 you know, holes that really make you think. There are a lot of them, but those two especially just did it for me. Strategic golf. It's Cause, difficult. Because definitely, yeah. I mean, it's, it's dope kind of using Tillinghast Great Hazard where he has... Exactly. Where he's, yeah. where he's used the Hell's Half Acre at Pine Valley and at 17 at Baldershaw is a good example of making that layup shot something that you really have to think about. And you're right, it's not something that the second shot is automatic, especially... If you get caught in one of the fairway bunkers off the tee, then that just makes it a par six pretty much because you're laying up to the great hazard and then you still have probably 200 <laughs> out from there. And so I'd, I I feel exactly. like 17, at like the end of the match maybe, if you're trying to close a guy out, which I, I may have closed Sean out on that hole, maybe not. But <laughs> at the end of the match, it's definitely a game breaker because if you have a guy that can bomb three wood up there, it puts the pressure on your opponent. Not, For sure. Not only did did you tell everyone that you beat me in the match, you also kind of flexed some some course knowledge, some golf course uh, nerd muscles on me there. I appreciate that. That's really good. It was kind of like a double. Yeah, it's like a two and one there. Like not only am I better at golf than you, but I know more about golf courses than you. And somehow you're the host. Yeah, exactly. That's why I'm going to move us to a different course, different topic, the red course. This is, to me, I think it's a more difficult course. I like the blue better. Coleman, you're a fan of the red. It's, the red is tough. It's tough, man. Tell me, I mean, I think that anyone who likes this course is has got to be a better golfer than me because it just <laughs> it just beats me up over the course of 18 holes. Now, the red to me is just such a, a interesting kind of counterpoint to the blue that it hits you in the head right on the first hole. It's one of those where I think we're standing on the second tee and you're like, the, the par the number par like doesn't necessarily matter here because you're coming out on number one from the, the men's tees or the standard tees, your playoff, it's 464 dead uphill, sometimes into the wind. 
And I mean, it's a par five. Like it's not. Uh, it's a par four on the card, but you're happy with a five to start off. And then on the second hole, you kind of are able to get it back a little bit with a a relatively gettable par five. You can cut the corner a little bit. And so I think the 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 driving the driving areas on on the red are just so intriguing to me. And you have these speed slots you can catch. You have the ridges that you can kind of work your way down, like on seven, which is just a ridiculous par five, that water to the left, this giant ridge to the right. If you can rip a draw in, then you can actually get to the green in two. And if you lay up to the right, there's this giant, just just dune, a mound that has this big layup area right, but if you're going to, you know, take the take the easy way out, then you're gonna to have to hit a flop shot over this dune into a green that is rectangular and your 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 miss is very your miss is very uh your margin for error is very short right there. Oh yeah. The last time we were there your caddy told you to putt through the dune, through I think. Through the dune. Yeah. That was incredible. <laughs> like I, I missed right with my second I believe it was my second shot or my third yeah. shot. Right, whatever. I'm short of the green and right. And there's this gigantic, probably twenty foot tall dune and 20, the, uh, I don't know if it's fifteen, feet. fifteen feet tall. It's big. Big dune, big dune in front of me, and on the other side of that dune, short-sided, is this is the pin, and I got nowhere to go, and I've got no shot in my game, not in my bag to get there. And the caddy's like, "Well, you could you could putt it." I'm like, "Putt it where?" He said, "You could putt it through through the through the the mound here," and I did, and I went over the green into the bunker and made like a nine. So. It wasn't. It wasn't good. But he didn't get his tip. No, exactly. Not on that <laughs> hole, at least. But I feel like my favorite hole on eleven kind of personifies the what I was talking about: driving it off the tee and making those decisions. It's a par four. It's a third of four straight par fours that are really, really good. And it's kind. The fairway's kind of cambered right to left a little bit, and it's got a bunk, a cross bunker, or a double bunker, I guess, that sits in the middle. And if you pull off the the boulder drive up on the right shelf, then you have an easier approach into the green. But if you take the easy way out that is on the left-hand side, then you have to hit your approach shot over a really deep and really big bunk bunker. And so it's one of, one of those great aspects where you're on the tee and you don't necessarily know where the best spot is, but when you play it, a couple of times and you kind of realize where you can put the ball where you need to work the ball yeah and this kind is of where the, i need to go kind of the risk reward aspects if you pull off the shot you get rewarded if you take the easier way out then you're going to have to pull off the shot on the approach instead of on the drive again the same mentality is that hey it would help to have a caddy and they offer caddies for you down there but first time playing these courses definitely I would, I would advise to take a caddy. Graylin, your favorite hole is one that Coleman talked about, the second hole on the red course. It's a par five and it's short. And uh, Did you birdie it when we played? or what, why, why was it your favorite hole? Well, <laughs> I, I did birdie it. No big deal. No big deal. I'd like to think that um, that it's, it's good for more reasons than that. But um, it, like Coleman said, and he said this during our round, or Coleman, you said this during our round, yeah, you know, we finished the first hole, and we both kind of sat there and looked at each other like, holy cow. You know, I, I hit as good a drive as I could hit off the tee. Had 200-plus in, uphill, into wind. That's a part four. And you're sitting there thinking, wow, if this is the first hole, like maybe I ought to just turn around and go it's back to the It's not welcoming. Bar. 
But, you know, you get to the second hole, you can take a little bit off the corner. And I had the exact same yardage in, hit the exact same club, got it up there, you know, two-putted, and thought, okay, well, the, you know, this must be a, a, a challenging par four as well. It's a par five. And I can imagine when the wind turns around and you're playing it into wind, it, it is a difficult par five. But between those first opening two, you you kind of really learn, like you said, Coleman, this is not, you know, par is irrelevant. Par is a number on the card, and it almost brings you back to, you know, the roots of golf and match play golf where, you know, it could be a par 15. It, it doesn't matter. You're playing, you know, your opponent. And, and the red course reminded me of that in a lot of areas. A lot of risk-reward options, especially off the tees, um, you know, I lost, what, two balls off the tee on, on the sixth hole trying to get a little bit greedy. Um, I, yeah, feel like, I, fifth, I feel like we all, I feel like we all did. The fifth hole? Yeah. 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 <laughs> I, I had to go back to the pro shop and buy more balls. I, I don't want to admit that. But, um, yeah, it, I feel like it'd be a great match play course. And, and that second hole is a very good example of that where, depending on how much you feel like you can bite off and then how aggressive you want to get on that, on that approach shot, it's a good birdie opportunity and it brings your morale back a little bit after that first hole where you were kind of beat into the ground with this 460 plus yard par four uphill. Yeah, it is a good match play course. I'm glad you mentioned that. Unfortunately, my match with Coleman did not reach my favorite hole out there. (laughs) Uh, My favorite hole is the 16th hole and it is my favorite because it presents such an incredible challenge. Uh, it's a very long, it's got to be, what, 200, I think we played it like 215, 213, Coleman. Yeah. Uh, and it, you have to carry probably 150 yards worth of ridge that will drop down about maybe like 60 or 70 yards into this lake. And so you've got to carry, it's got a probably a 70-yard long and skinny green that you're hitting into. And it's got all kinds of ridges. And... You just have to get back to, to, to the, pr- the proper placement, the proper platform on which the pin is going to be located. It's, it's a beast. And there's trees right, and there's trouble short, and there's bunkers left, and a collection area near the bunkers. It just makes it, makes it really a difficult par three that you're happy with a four, uh, even if you hit the green. Yeah, I mean, standing on the tee, it looks wild. It's, uh, it's this fantastic beer at screen where you have – this huge swell where you kind of can hit a long iron in, and even if you land it on the front, you kind of watch it roll up to the back, and you're hoping that it crests and gets to that back plateau, and you stand there, and you kind of wonder if, you kind of wonder, like, where the miss is, and like you said, like, I, I don't know if there is one, that it they have a little bailout area short and left where you have still has a pretty tricky pitch up, but it's into this massive dune that also number seven on the blue course is cut cut in two. That is also that fantastic part three. So it's interesting with the wide scale of the entire property that I think the two best part threes are kind of cut out of that same dune. And it's 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 a wild match play hold because you get to sixteen and things are tight and really anything Hopefully. can happen. I think you could win with a six, you could win with a birdie, you could you know, have it with, you know, pickups, you know, like if you can't even get it across. So <laughs> I think that I, I, I feel like you're right. It's definitely one of the most photogenic holes. It's one of the holes that you stand. And I mean, the, 
the beer ritz at Old Mac out at Bandon Dunes is is not as dramatic as this. This one, the one at Bandon is a little slightly more downhill. This one is fairly level, and you have to have a lot more carry. And so I hit, I think I hit like a hybrid in and barely made it up to the top shelf. And so this one definitely is this one definitely is a monster. Yeah, I'm glad you used the word dramatic because that's something that we can't quite emote uh, over the over a podcast through your earbuds. But we've been using the word dunes. We've been describing the dunes out there at Stream Song, and they're on each course, and they're significant. And we, we can't really tell you how big they are because we'd have to get out and we'd have to measure them, and they are just gigantic. And some of these holes that are cut into them are placed on top of them. They're, that's what builds the Stream Song experience is these wild dunes. I mean, this whole place was built off of um, some mines, right? Yeah, but from what I understand, it was phosphate mines. It, correct me if I'm wrong, Coleman, but it, uh, Rich Mack was telling us when they would strip mine this area, they would bring everything down to a processing center. And it, once they had taken out everything they were going to take out, they were left with clay, sand, and water. They would pump the clay back to the site and let it settle. Then they'd pump sand back on it. And it's it's difficult to describe, like you say, Sean, just how much sand this is. I mean, standing on the first green of the black horse, uh, we were told that we were standing on 30 feet of sand. I mean, I, I can't even imagine. And this place is 16,000 acres. Yeah. So the, the amount of sand that they pumped back there is just mind-boggling. But they, they took what I imagine was a pretty flat, boring 16,000 acres and made it just this dunescape with dunes like the first of the blue that are probably, I don't know, 70, 80 feet tall, all the way down to just really nice subtle dunes that the shapers kind of worked with on, on some of the courses. But, uh, yeah, I, I think it was phosphate mining. Yeah. It might even be taller than – some of those dunes might even be taller than that. Um, now, we, we can move on from the red course to what Graylin alluded to earlier is the roundabout. But I want to tie it into the six-hole loops that the Streamsong Resort offers. And to me, this is the thing that's, that Streamsong does the best. That better than anybody. They do better than, than anywhere that I've been, the ability to sneak that extra golf yeah. in when you're chasing daylight. So so Coleman and I have been to Streamsong now two years in a row, two Januaries in a row, following our coverage of the PGA show. We'll run down there, two-hour drive or so, maybe an hour and a half if you beat traffic from Orlando. And they've got the red course, the blue course, and the first six holes on both of those courses loop back to the clubhouse. And then you'll go out for the next 12 and come back to the clubhouse eventually. But both of those six-hole loops, if you if you and a buddy will play well, you'll be done in an hour. And it's perfect. And the roundabout, which I think we're going to get to in a second, is at the black course. It's, it's a little bit different, but pretty uh, the same idea. It's like a creative way of shrinking your 18-hole golf course into a tinier but just as fun just as scenic form of the game that allows you to play quicker play a different fashion play a six hole match it's beautiful and i think that is one of the ways that golf course architecture is changing to allow these things to be a part of the resort in general the- well, it's cool because they even have the scorecards made up they have the cards where you can play the six hole loops and both sixes run next to the clubhouse. So, you know, if it's 4.30 and don't have time for a full round, but 
you know, maybe you birdied the 18th and you're kind of feeling it a little bit that day, then you can go out, you can settle a bet with someone, you can just get some practice in if you don't want to go beat balls on the range. If you birdie the 18th on the blue course, you 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 should get over to the, the first on the red because you're playing good golf. <laughs> <laughs> but Graylin, it kind of, I feel like you could explain the um, the roundabout at the black pretty well. The idea is after playing, what, the first eight, on the ninth tee, you have an option to either play the ninth, which is kind of going right off the tee, or taking a step off to the side of the, the tee box and entering the roundabout. And they've created – how many greens is it? Is it six greens in there, I think? I don't even um, know. I, si- I, yeah, I, think it's, I, I yeah. think it's five or six. Yeah. yeah, five or six greens and a bunch of different teeing options where you can stay in that one area kind of at the foot of the clubhouse and end up having, you know – a short game session you can just practice your approach shots but it's not only short holes you can play full length par fours that are in the longest is like 365 370 yards so you can get in there and play big holes you can work on your game you could putt you can chip and it's going to have you know services from the um from the clubhouse you can go to the clubhouse bring a beer and bring your you know, eight, nine pitching wedge, go out there, play a few holes, work on your game. It's it's a really fun area, but it's also a great option if you want to play nine and then get in there and work on some stuff or, like you say, settle a bet. Um, but it's something on the black course that they don't really have at um, red or blue. I mean, the, the range at the red and blue clubhouse um, – isn't it's fine but it's it's not necessarily world class and the the practice area is good but again not necessarily world class and what they're going to have there at streamsong black including the roundabout really brings things up i mean you could go out with a bucket of balls and work on your 135 yard approach shots and you, you could just hit a bucket of balls and drill that in into different greens. I mean, it, 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 they're full green complexes. They're rolled greens. They're the same greens you're going to find on the courses. It, it's not anything like uh, yeah, they've just cut down the, the fescue and let it ride. It's the same grasses you'll find, and and it offers something that, that isn't currently on the property. I just think it really adds to what would be a, a great buddies weekend or a group weekend. It's like, Coleman, let's say you and I are going to go down and we do the PGA show, and then on Friday we work the PGA show, and we get down to Stream Song at two o'clock in the afternoon, and we get over to the course. We want to warm up a little bit. We're not ready to play until four, as he said. You can play anywhere from six to twelve. To you can jump off on on the seventh hole, even probably on the right yeah. course. You can play twelve holes. You can play eighteen holes. If you play early in the morning, you can play twenty-four, thirty-six, like thirty holes if you want. I just feel like. The options are all out there, and Streamsong, as far as I'm concerned, has been super accommodating of anybody that wants to do that. Yeah, because it's one of those like the like I said, they even had the cards made up, so it's not a thing where you're kind of sneaking out or anything like that. Like they they promote it because they know that you're there. You're most likely staying at the resort, and you're a golf nut, and so you want to get as much as you can in while the sun is still shining. And there, I I mean I can't really. I mean, they like at, at Bandon, they have sh- this little shorties course, which is kind of off the driving range where you kind of make, make your own holes and it's nothing really defined. Uh, this seems like that maybe on steroids a little bit because that is mainly all par threes. And this 
actually has a lot more land to work with. Um, but it's one of those atmospheres that you get, that you'll get guys out there that are on trips of four or eight or 12 and they maybe all couldn't play together during the morning. They can all get out there and play by themselves and play as a, a, a an eight sum as, as, as 10 people at once. And to me, like, it's just the, the fact that they kind of worked that into the land and, a, they had the land because they could do it. They kind of could do whatever they wanted with it. But the the fact that they kind of let hands go and you know do whatever you want in this section, I think, is really really cool. And definitely for the clientele they have, that are people that have made the effort to to go to Streamsong, that drive the two hours from Orlando, that you know you're getting the avid golfer, and just to be able to to offer that and kind of fill the void that I I I don't know if anyone else really has figured out a way to do that yeah. to kind of incorporate the something that's not a maybe it's not a par three it's not uh it's not a putting green course that it's just something that's a hybrid and i i personally can't wait i i feel like i i left there thinking that was uh it was a game changer mm-hmm. well we'll see uh if it really is a game changer when they debut the course in september uh, I believe, I'm sure, in the, in the meantime, we'll have Gil Hans back on the podcast to tell us all about it. Um, before we let Graylin go, um, that's not the entire stream song experience, right? The, you get the golf, and the golf is amazing, and the golf is great, but they offer you a little bit more there. It's a the, the, the resort is actually a super modern hotel, and... That really appeals to me. Uh, I'm a millennial. I'm talking. To, <laughs> I'm talking to two millennials right now, and it's it's a pretty modern look. The first time you see it, like, it, I mean, it's kind of it's strange to it look is. at from the outside. That it's it's strange might be the wrong word. It's different. It yeah. is different. I mean, than you've driven what through, you expect. Yeah, you've driven through a town on a not so busy road that you can tell you're not near a, ma- a major city. You're not exactly near Tampa. You're not exactly near Orlando. You're kind of in this almost equidistant spot from both of those cities often the distance is going to be miami but you have to drive to get here so once you get there then all of a sudden boom not just one you got two restaurants you got a couple bars they give you the golf option they give you bass fishing option they give you trap shooting options like they want you to come there stay there bring your your group of buddies there does have an amazing spa too and they want you to enjoy the entire week. Like, they want you to make a weekend experience. They don't want you just showing up, playing yeah. the red course, and driving away. I feel like that's the thing for the the people that are coming down to – I think we, we, we played with two guys who drove up from Sarasota, and they were playing the blue and then leaving that a, that afternoon. I think that you don't get the full effect. You get a great day of golf. You get a memorable – item to knock off the bucket list but when you spend the weekend there and kind of immerse yourself in the the stream song experience like the rooms are really really cool that they have these wooden shutters that i don't even know how to describe but i just remember being really intrigued by them that you kind of open up and you're right on the water (laughs) it's like a wall that is also your window yeah like a wall of wooden shutters i guess they're really loud when you sh- like slam them shut by Florida accident yeah. uh but they're cool <laughs> they're like the you open it up blackout shutters yeah 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 so when you close it i mean obviously no no, no sunlight is getting in but you open it up in the morning right there on the river like it's just it's really really cool it's kind of it's it's very modern but it's not anything that's off-putting like it's got this huge couch that 
I <laughs> we were there after a long day, and I went up to Sean's room to get an iPhone charger, and our rooms looked exactly the same. All of our clothes were just strewn about this gigantic couch. <laughs> I'm sure it's bigger than any couch we have in New York City, and you know, it's got just these two TVs that you can watch TV while you're in bed, watch a TV on the couch. Like, it's it kind of fits the the middle ground of being like really comfort comforting and inviting at the same time like it's it's not a marriott it's not something that you're going to see at you know your your standard hotel like when you're going to book you know at at another destination and most importantly the showers are amazing it feels like you're being shot with a fire hose (laughs) wait that's after after that feels good day like that shower just just did it for me Yeah, I mean, I, I think I'll let you talk about the shutters, Coleman and Grayland. You can talk about the showers, and I think uh, we can <laughs> not leave. By a fire hose, though, that seems like that's aggressive. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not. Yeah, well, hey, you know, <laughs> you have to stand out in one way or another. My favorite, my favorite part about the hotel was actually within the rooms. You've got uh, built into the wall almost as a bookcase, and they've got all the classics there: Moby Dick. Um, you've got, I think. The first Harry Potter book, like all <laughs> those are two different classic. ends of the spectrum, but you've yeah. got a bunch of classic books. Um, and it, I don't know. It, it those put, actually are all available uh, to, to buy too. Like you just have to contact the, ooh, the front don't desk. Tell me yeah. that. Don't tell me that. I assume you already had the first Harry Potter, but you may not have Moby Dick. No. I mean, they've got a bunch of options. They, it's, it's open and welcoming. And like I said, probably the worst thing about it is you have to drive maybe an hour and a half or two hours to get there. But we can leave it at that. Uh, next time that we have the pleasure of being down there, we might have to try our hand at something more than just golf because Coleman keeps beating me, and that is very humbling. Maybe, <laughs> maybe some bass fishing and clay pigeon shooting next time. Thank you for listening to the Golf.com podcast. Thank you to Coleman as well as Graylin for joining me today. Let me know your thoughts on the podcast on Twitter. You can find me at Sean underscore Zak. That's S-E-A-N underscore Z-A-K. And if you did not like the podcast, well, we're going to blame that on Graylin for his first time as a guest. You can find him on Twitter at Gray Loomis. That's G-R-A-Y-L-O-O-M-I-S. Until next time, I'm your host, Sean Zock. Mm-hmm.